This is Real Love Now, a ministry outreach of Pastor Don Allen in the Church at War Hill. As with every aspect of our ministry, the purpose of this broadcast is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ to help you get real with God, fall in love with Him and His children, and discover your destiny now. Here's the message from Pastor Don Allen. How many of you are from the South? How many of you are from the South? Amen. All right. How many of you are not from the South? Wow, it's pretty evenly spaced out this morning. Amen. We're going to give you some lessons this morning. And I'm going to help you uh, just, you know, to understand. When somebody in the South says, How's your mama and them? They're really concerned. Come on, amen. That's their way of saying, uh, we notice you, we see you, we, we, we acknowledge that we have a relationship enough to ask how your family's doing. As a matter of fact, when we really talk Southern like that, how's your mama and them? Uh, when, when, uh, our missionaries in Germany come here and they begin to want to have a private conversation in the car with us, they go into, uh, German. And so Christina and I, we, we got more and more frustrated with that. So we decided that whenever they would go into German, we'd go into redneck. Come on. And so I'm like, honey, we're going to have to get on out of here. You know what I'm talking about right now, you know? And so uh, they, they go, what are you saying? We said, well, we didn't understand you, so we decided you didn't need to understand us. Man, hey, in case anybody's ever looked at you and said, God bless your little heart, let me just interpret that for you. That is not a compliment. Uh, <laughs> That means you are dumber than a stick. Amen. And so, amen. And so, uh, I want to help you. I want to bring you a message this morning entitled, I Reckon. I Reckon. Amen. Let's bow our heads. Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for the Holy Spirit. I thank you for the presence of God. I thank you for the anointing of God. I thank you, God, that you put me in a church that is caring and concerned about the children of this community. And I thank you, Lord, that you've been speaking to us through this powerful chapter Lord, I thank you for your anointing, for your presence, and for your grace. You are good, and your mercy endures forever. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Romans chapter 8, verse number 18 reads like this. For I reckon. Praise God, there it is in the Bible. I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. I reckon that what God is doing in my life and where I am does not begin to compare with where God wants me to be. I think sometimes we have too much trouble focusing on ourselves and we're not reckoning enough. You know, there's a book that, that I'd encourage you to get and to read, and it's called Life Without Limits. And it was written by Nick Vujicic, and Nick Vujicic, uh, you may recognize here from these pictures, he uh, was born with no arms and no legs. Rick, uh, Nick had to make a decision. He had to make a decision in his life as he was growing up with no arms and no legs. Would he allow this disability to define him? Would he allow that? How many of you have seen the, the, some of the YouTube videos where he's, he's preaching the gospel? Yeah. Anybody seen the video where he's surfing? I can't surf. But a man with no arms and no legs made the decision that he was going to surf and successfully did so. Has a wonderful family. God's blessing him. And he's traveling the world with this decision. He had to make his mind up, will I allow this to define me or will I use this testimony to bring glory unto God? 
He began to start out small, but God quickly began to advance him because his testimony of, real, of saying where I am and what God has done in my life can help you as well because what God deserves through this is glory and what he deserves through your life is, is glory also. It caught on quickly. Nick has traveled all over the world preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, sharing his testimony. We're overcomer by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. And over 200,000 people have given their lives to Jesus Christ listening to Nick preach the gospel. And I thought how powerful that is. Because when he preaches the gospel, he challenges them to, 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 to make a decision, the same decision that he had to make. I will reckon within myself, is my condition more important than your condition? And here's what he said. He said, I'd rather have no arms and no legs here on earth and spend eternity with those who've come to faith through my testimony. I would rather take my pain and put it aside and look towards something greater. I would rather take my thoughts and my opinions and push them aside and look towards something greater. He did a reckoning. You see, this reckoning process is what Romans 8 and 18 is speaking of. Now, when the Apostle Paul wrote, for I reckon, the very first thought that went through my mind was, I said, praise God, God speaks with a southern draw. I'm just going to be honest with you, amen, because that's his word. And he said, I reckon. But here in this promise, we see something great. We see the truth of God. What we see is the Apostle saying, I, I have taken a look at where I am now. And I see what is ahead of me. And when I reckon the two, the word reckon means to balance. When I compare where I am with where I'm going, when I, when I look at what I've been through with what lies ahead of me, I have to perform a reckoning. I, I have to reckon. I have to begin. I just keep getting tickled every time I say that. I'm just imagining somebody listening to our broadcast driving down the road and they're like, yeah, see that church up in Dawsonville, they talk like reckon up there. Amen. But think about this for just a moment, that, that the Word says I have to stop and I have to balance this against this. What I face now does not compare to what I have waiting. So I cannot allow what I face now to stop me from focusing on what lies ahead of me. We have to take stock of our lives and, and we have to remind ourselves that God's promises that await us as we reckon the two against each other, where I am and what is ahead. And we have to make the decision that God's promises are the final word on everything. And I know what it might look like now, but I reckon that God's never lied to me and God's truth is, is, is solid. And as long as I don't focus on this and I begin to focus on him, I'm going to come through this because I reckon and the reckoning tells me that God's always been faithful. Can I get an amen for that this morning? But we, we have, we, we wonder why people respond to, to problems and why people would respond to a man who stands up with, who looks like everything in the world has gone against him and, and why they would respond to his testimony. It's because even in their own reckoning, they, they find an identity with his suffering. Because we've all been through things. We've, we've all struggled with things. But I fear that the problem is that, that when we're faced with trials, rejections and fears and even our failures, that we give them far too much weight. I fear that, that we give them way too much control over our lives, that, that we give them way too... Let me, let me just ask you, here's a reckoning for you. Some of you cannot move forward in your life because you know what you did is wrong. You've even repented over it, but you have not reckoned God's word to be faithful, and so you allow your yesterday to destroy your tomorrow, and you don't move forward. It's time for a reckoning of truth and the reckoning of truth that tells me that the word of God says that Jesus Christ died for my every sin and he is faithful and just to forgive me of my sins. And in that reckoning, I find hope that I can move forward. But the problem is we give that thing so much weight. We give it so much weight. People look at situations in their own family and say, I don't, I'll never get past that. I'll never get past that. What you're doing is reckoning that that is greater than the grace that you can give. 
Here's the beauty of God. God never looks at you and says, I can't get past that. I can't get past that. God looks at you and says, I did get past it. As a matter of fact, I put on flesh so that I could come and bridge the gap and make you whole and forgive you. Amen. We need to perform a reckoning. You see, our lack or ability to move forward is because we have to make a decision. Are we going to stay in the pain or are we going to look for the gain therein? This is determined by either staying focused on the current pain or becoming enamored with what lays ahead. Any race runners in here? Anybody that likes to run race? Yeah, God bless you. Amen. Amen. They've only got a few healthy people in this service. Amen. Well, look, I don't run races, but I am a professional finish line waiter. Amen. My wife runs those races, and, and I, I watch her come across, and, and, and I'm standing there, and I'm all geared up, and you know I'm ready. The first time I ever walked up, uh, it was one of the motivations for me to make the health changes I've made in my life. I, I walked up, and, and literally the, the spouses are all sitting there passing donuts between them and coffee, and I went, I went, I will not always stand here. Come on. I'm still there, but anyways, let's preach on. Amen. But uh, I'm standing there at that finish line, and you'll see they'll come running across that line. Woo, they're running across that line. And, 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 you know, and somewhere just before the line, they want to get ready for the picture, and they, you know, they start trying to, if they've been running a marathon, a half marathon, it's not, it's not pretty. You know? And, and they're, they're coming across that line, and they'll come across that line, and they'll be literally unable to stand almost. And the very first thing they ask for, it, it, you hear them, where's my medal? it's right in front of them, but they're so dizzy they can't even see it. Come on now, amen. But they're like, where's my medal? I want my medal. I want my medal because they've been running through the pain with the prize in mind. They have been pushing forward saying, I didn't do all that training. I didn't do all of that stuff. I didn't come all of that distance that I ran to prepare for this race to lose sight of what's waiting for me on the other side of the finish line. That's a reckoning, a reckoning that says the pain I'm going through is not greater than the reward that lies ahead of me. It is time for the saints of God to begin to live with one eye on where you are, but another eye on glory and begin to understand what you're facing does not compare to what is ahead of you. I have not come to preach some now gospel that tells you there's no hope in the future. There is hope in the future. There is a place called heaven. There is a reward for the righteous. And one day Jesus will return and it's time for his church to start. Stop looking at themselves and start worrying about themselves and look up and find the one who's coming and get our eyes on Jesus. Can I get an amen this morning? Amen. But pastor, you don't know what I'm suffering through. Unless we go through things here, we're never going to understand exactly what Christ went through. We, we learn to associate with Christ in the joy and the fellowship of suffering. And that doesn't mean that suffering uh, uh, devalues our life. It actually adds values to our, uh, to our lives because character is forged in the fire of pain. It's what determines who you really are. You know, I was talking with Pastor David this week, and I, I asked him uh, this question. I, I, I said I'd studied, and I found that, that most uh, cancer survivors make the statement, and he agreed with it wholeheartedly. Most cancer survivors will say this, that they believe that the, the worst thing that's ever happened to them is when they were diagnosed with cancer. But they also believe that the best thing that's ever happened to them is when they were diagnosed with cancer. It's overwhelming when you ask one that. The worst thing and the best thing, the very same thing. Why, you would ask. Well, let me give you an example from a, a life of a, a man by the name of Fred. Fred went in, received a diagnosis of cancer, and he was given only months to live. So being given only months to live, Fred made a decision. He made a reckoning. He decided that if he only had months to live, that's exactly what he was going to do. He was going to live. And he started living as if there was no tomorrow. 
He went through denial for a brief stage, but then Fred began to reckon his life. If it wasn't important, then it became less important. If it was important, then it became more important. After a few months, Fred went in for a a checkup and he learned that he had been misdiagnosed and his disease was easily curable. And Fred broke down weeping. And you wonder why. Because he's glad? Because he's mad? This is what Fred said. Fred said the reason he wept was because I was afraid my life would go back to the way it used to be. He said, I was afraid that I would stop valuing what was important. He said, I was afraid that I would go back to allowing all the easy distractions to keep me from my family. He said, I was afraid that I would allow all the excuses that so easily pop up in my mind to continue to pop up in my mind and keep me back from where I was supposed to be. He said, I had come to the place to where I was really living my life the way I was supposed to be because I had a reckoning going on. I had a a goal. I knew I wasn't going to make it that far. So I could not allow this to destroy me here. I had to get done what needs to be done. God sent me with a very simple message this morning with a a phrase that I just quite frankly like saying, I reckon it is time for the church of the living God to begin to reckon. We need to realize that there is a goal in mind and we've been too distracted with problems and we've been too distracted with the little things. We've been too distracted to pray. We've been too worried to worship, but God's looking for somebody who will look beyond that and pick up your eyes and get them on Jesus and reckon that he deserves it even when you don't feel that well yourself. Amen. Pastor Don, you don't know what I've been through. Well, I know this to be true, that he went through a lot, all the way to a cross and through a grave so he could show up in your life. And it's time for us to reckon the importance of that. Amen. You see, God doesn't want you to worry about tomorrow. God doesn't want you to be haunted by your past. But God wants you to take stock of where you are now and to begin to use this moment for His glory. Whether good or bad, young or old, No matter where you find yourself, we should view every moment with a reckoning. We should take every moment and carefully consider what we're about to do. You see, the way I respond now to this pain, this opportunity, this challenge, this temptation will affect what waits for me ahead. And I must reckon the two because I reckon the reward of God far outweighs momentary satisfaction. There's something ahead of us. Pastor Don, I need something in my here and now. I'm trying to give you something in your here and now. Your here and now will get better when you start looking to the then and there. Paul said, I see where I am, but I do not lose sight of where I'm headed. And that's the problem. We go through things and we lose sight of where we're headed. Do you not understand that the God who saved you also loves you and he promised that he would care for you and we need to reckon that his promises are true and you might be facing a battle now, but the same God who helped Peter walk on the water is the same God that will cause you to step out a boat boat of doubt and walk on the water of faith. It's the same power that raised Christ from the dead that will work in you and change who you are. I feel this this morning. You can obviously tell. I'm excited about the presence of God. I'm excited about the fact that what lays ahead of us is better than where we are. Now remember, when you're faced with decisions of reckoning and you start processing them, that God's math is different from your math. 
When you go this plus this equals balance of this, God's process is different. Let me just give you a reminder from Scripture. One day there was a lot of people that needed to be fed, 5,000 men in fact, and many probably women and children. And Jesus tells the disciples to feed them and all they can find is five loaves and two fish and five, uh, five plus two equals... Well, some of you are afraid it's math class. Come on, amen. Five plus two equals seven. But that's not the way that God does math because when God gets involved in the equation, five plus two uh, equals 5,000 with a remainder of 12 basketfuls left over because that's what happened when Jesus broke that and He gave it to the multitude. See, God's math is different than our math. And when you're having trouble reckoning and you're having trouble keeping the long goal in, in view of your present situation because your present situation is screaming so loud at you that you're going under, you're going under. It's time for you to give up. This is going to pull you down. You need to remember that God's math is different than yours. You're probably using, if you're having trouble viewing your present against the, the what God has in store for you, you're probably using the wrong process. You see, most of us are probably using addition and subtraction at that time. You go, what do you mean, Pastor? Well, this is exactly what we do. We say, all right, if I do this addition, I bring this into my life addition, it will cost me this subtraction, but in the end, it is the sum of this. That's what most of us do. If I want to buy that car, boom, I'm going to have to pay this payment, subtraction, addition, car, subtractions, payment, sum, regret it till the, or enjoy it until the first payment's made. Come on, amen. All right, and then, then regret, yeah, amen. Well, that's the way we do our math. We do that spiritually too. I mean, we really do. Here's what we do. We say, okay, God, uh, I want to sin. I'm going to feel guilty, addition, sin. I wanna feel, I'm only going to feel guilty for a little while because I'm going to repent, subtraction, sum, God's grace is sufficient. Is, that, is this for the wrong service? I think we do that. Addition, I want this. Subtraction, this is what it's going to cost me, and this is the sum. Here's the problem. You're doing addition and subtraction, and that God doesn't really like addition and subtraction. God likes multiplication. That's why you thought it wouldn't cost you much, but it cost you everything. That's why you thought you could step into it, and you had, it takes you years to get out of it. That's why you thought you could play around with it because God operates, the spiritual operates in multiplication. It, that one sin, that one taste, that one bite, that one, that one try will cost you more than you could ever imagine and it's multiplied effect in your life. But it also is true the other way that when you have stumbled and when you have made mistakes, when you get your eyes on Jesus, the multiplication works in your favor. So instead of living this life going, well, you know what? I, I'm reckoning now that a little bit of this will cost me this, but this will work out. Instead, I begin to look up, lift up my eyes and say, God, you know what? I've made mistakes. I've struggled, but I don't want to add that to my life anymore. I want the blessings of God and the blessings of God come when you find yourself faithful in the middle of a storm. Temptation knocks on your door. Okay, if I let you in, it's going to cost me this. But uh, this might happen in the long run. Instead, I say, I'm not opening the door because there's a promise for those who resist temptation. There's a, a gift for those who are faithful in the middle of a storm. And what happens is when you stand strong, multiplication begins to kick in. Grace comes to you. Strength comes to you. And the blessings of the favor of God begin to come to your life. Amen. Amen. 
We've been adding and subtracting, and God's wanting to multiply to us. You see, we reckon that what God has in store for us against momentary conditions, and we choose God's way, and then He rewards us to the point. I, I don't know how to say this other than sounding southern, but we can say, God is good. His multiplication causes us to step back in our... It's, maybe I'm in the wrong place this morning, but is there anybody that would testify to me that God's goodness is greater than you deserve? God's favor in your life has been something more than you deserve? That you sit in a place now that if it weren't for the grace of God, you would never be here, and you recognize that you've got more than you deserve, and you can only imagine what He has in store for you. Can anybody testify to that this morning? Amen. Amen. But we're human and we struggle. And we actually struggle with the law. What's that old song? I fought the law and the law won. Laws always went out. And there's a law that I want to talk to you about just briefly this morning. It's called the law of diminishing marginal utility. The law of diminishing marginal utility. And let's just make it real simple. That's simplified as more is less. Some of you are going, that is not an American mindset. You see, the law of... Diminishing marginal utility says the more you consume, the less you enjoy. It actually is where we understand that the first bite is always outweighing the last bite. When you started into that thing, it seemed like a good idea to eat the whole carton. Come on, amen. But the, be the best bite was the first. You see, this law has a lot to do with your measure of joy. Joy is not getting what you want. Joy is learning to appreciate what you have. I sat in an environment last night that I probably would never have gone to. But when a little blue-eyed boy looked at me and said, thank you for bringing me, his appreciation activated a return trip. Come on now, amen. You see, it's the same way in our lives. If we have to have more and we don't appreciate where we are, this law kicks into place. If you constantly choose the here and now over the promises of God that await us, the law kicks in. What once satisfied our desires soon will not. And we will need more and more. It will begin to consume us. You see, because the law, we actually find greater fulfillment in life when we learn to wait for what is to come. And I, I don't know why, I did not put this into my notes, but somebody needs to get what I'm about to tell you. There's some single people in this room. Listen to me. You might want them, but if you'll learn to wait for them, it will be better after you're married. You see, you'll think, I just, well, let's just get close for a moment. This is totally spirit-led, all right? I'm just being honest. And before long, you're in a relationship that leaves you guilty on your wedding night instead of celebrating. You need to understand the truth I'm trying to tell you. The truth says it's worth waiting for. The lie tells you, well, go ahead. You know, one documented study I found was amazing actually points that, that families' happiness reach a salary cap. That after a certain amount of money, families are not as happy. I, I think in every service, people are going to be like, but I'm willing to try. I'm willing to try. Come on. Amen. But the magic number that this study purports, very well studied, very well received study, 
says that after a family makes $75,000, they're just not as happy. Some of you are going, I couldn't live on that. Some of you are going, I want to try, I want to try. There's some variables at place, number of children and where you live. But after that number, the law of diminishing marginal utility kicks in. The study says this and found that it is easier for us to deal with what we can't do and can't change, can't afford, because when we can't, we just say we can't and we happily move forward. But when we have more than enough, we find it difficult for us to say we won't. We can say I can't, but I won't. That's harder. That's more difficult. For example, when our kids ask for something we know that is out of our range, we find it easier, now not easy, but easier to say we just can't do that. Because when we say we won't do that, does anybody else's daughters have you wrapped right around their fingers? You know what I'm talking about? When I say we won't, it sounds like I'm throwing a, I don't love you in there. But I do love you. So I've made a couple of stands. Matter, I've done this with my whole family and the people of our church. I made this promise. I will never help you step away from God. I won't help you make one step. I don't care where you have to stay and how long they're going to keep you there. I will not help you step away from God. I cannot afford to have your eternity on my hands. I'm trying to give you the hope of Christ so your eternity is on His hands. But that is difficult to say when you know you can't. Matter of fact, it's particularly hard to tell your kids you won't when your garage is full of stuff you don't need either. Oh, I better just move on. You see, so with this mindset of can't and want in place, I, I thought we need to begin to reckon with this mindset. We need to begin to reckon what we're going through. We need to begin to reckon what we've been asked to give up because of Christ. We need to begin to reckon and understand that sometimes we don't need to sit around and go, well, look what I just gave up and look what I didn't do. We need to operate out of gratitude. And we need to reckon these two statements into our lives. We need to learn to say, I just can't. I just can't go there. I just can't do this. I just can't be a part of that anymore. You know, but, but you used to do this. You used to come over. You used to hang out this way. You used to live this way, but you don't understand. I found Jesus and Jesus took all my shame and he took all my pain and I can't go back. I won't go back. I just can't be that person anymore. It's time for us to begin to look ahead. That's what it says. You see, if all I see is what I'm giving up, if all I see is the problems, if all I see is the temptation, then I have no hope to look forward to. But the reckoning must happen when I compare one against the other. When I compare what, how I used to feel when I had to cover up and try to drown out my sorrows and drown out my pain and drown out my struggles with the joy of the Lord that flows within me. And because I compare to what I found, I can't go back because of the grace of Jesus Christ. Amen. Somebody went to Israel with me and they said, Pastor, you don't shout when you preach in Israel. I said, it's because there's nobody that needs a breakthrough on this trip. Y'all are in love with Jesus. Come on, amen. But in this house this morning, we need a breakthrough. The saints of the living God need a breakthrough. We need to make up our minds. We just can't live that way anymore. Everybody else might go that way. Everybody else might fall in that sin. But Jesus has done something too great for me and I just can't go back, amen. Here's another thing you better realize your children will follow you down that road. And it's time for you to say, I can't go down that road. 
because my children will be just like me. And I want them to see a broken person who's found hope and a person who's not perfect but has given their lives to Jesus. I can't go back. I can't go back. Here's another thing that's hard for Christians to say. I won't. I won't. Well, I mean, I know, God, if I do this, you're going to forgive me because we've, we've been, we played, we've danced this dance before. You know, I know your grace is good and I know I shouldn't. And as a matter of fact, the Holy Spirit's telling me I shouldn't, but yet I do. Addition, subtraction, some grace. Let me tell you something. We've been playing for grace far too long. It's time for us to get our eyes on heaven and start playing for glory. Say, God, I could, but I won't. I won't fall into that sin. I know you're faithful and just to forgive me, but I'm not going back there. I won't do it because I'm playing for the glory of God. I'm moving forward for your honor. Amen. How many ready to start playing for the glory of God this morning? Amen. Guys, I want to challenge you today. Have a reckoning. Have a reckoning. It is time for you to reckon that your present should no longer control your future. Your future should be controlled with who Christ is. What He did at Calvary. You need to remember what He's done and get a view of where He's taken you. Bow your heads with me today. In case you don't understand it, that there is another reckoning. Not just your reckoning, but your reckoning will determine the other reckoning. The day of God's reckoning is ahead of us. We will all stand before the judgment seat of the living Son of God. The judgment seat of Christ is what Scripture calls that. On that day, our regret will not be most of the things that we have done, but it's going to be the things we did not do for God. Our regret will be what we could have done. Scripture says whatever we keep, we lose. Whatever we lose for His sake, we keep for all eternity. It's time for us to start losing in the moment we might lose the fight we might look like we're losing face we might not get our way but we're not looking at the moment we're looking ahead we're looking ahead to Christ it's time for us to reckon with one eye on eternity some of you are facing some situations this morning you've been living in addition and subtraction with a sum and you're not satisfied God just dropped that in my heart. Some of you feel like you've got a dribble of grace in your life. God didn't call you to, to, to live on the dribble. He called you to drink from the waters of life freely. And you know there's a reckoning that needs to happen. And you want to say, Pastor Don, I am making that reckoning now, and I'm choosing God. Can I see your hand if that's you? Hands going up all over this place. There's a reckoning happening by the power of the Holy Spirit. You can put your hands down. Some of you have never truly reckoned your relationship with Jesus Christ. And today, you've never really thought about your eternity. You've been too much for today. This is your chance. The Bible says Jesus came. He died for you. He was crucified. He was laid in a tomb. Three days later, He arose in power. If you're willing to accept the fact that Jesus Christ is Lord and that He is alive, then today, your life can change forever. You can find Jesus Christ today. If that's you, I'm not going to embarrass you any more than the ones who just raised their hand, but I want to pray with you right where you are. You say today's the day you want to reckon your past against your future, and you're going to trust Jesus with your future. You're going to give Him your whole life as your Savior. If that's you, either as a first initial time or as a point of rededication, I want to see your hand right where you are. Hold it up high. I want to pray with you today. This is your day. 
This is your time. This is your moment. Would you just join hands with someone near you quickly this morning? Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for your presence. I thank you for your spirit. God, I ask you that you see those who've responded during this time, that the reckoning of God that awaits will be not a time of judgment, but a time of welcome home because of the reckoning that happens in their life today. That they reckon, God, that where the enemy's trying to destroy them does not compare to what you're trying to do to build them. Bless them and prosper them and cause your face to shine upon them. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, give them grace. Lord, we confess that whatever that is is sin and they are forgiven by the blood of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, give God a praise this morning if you would. Amen. today's word from Pastor Don Allen to help you get real with God, fall in love with Him all over again, and live out your destiny now. To learn more about our pastor and the ministry of the church at War Hill, join us online at warhill.com. Then join us in worship at one of our North Georgia locations. Service times are Sundays at 815, 930, and 11 a.m., where you will find real love now.